Sports presents the Pick 6 Podcast, featuring CBS NFL writers Pete Prisco and Will Brinson, NFL insider Jason Lockenfora, and host Nick Costos. You want NFL talk? We've got NFL talk. From training camp to the Super Bowl and through the NFL draft, our fearsome foursome has you covered. This is the Pick 6 Podcast. This is the Pick 6 Podcast. Nick Costos joined alongside Will Brinson, Pete Prisco, and Jason Lockanfora to join us a little later in the show. Will, we begin with hashtag news. And you had one of the best tweets I've ever seen, buddy. And you're very good on Twitter. Follow Will on Twitter, at Will Brinson. Don't believe me that he's the best. Just ask him, at Will Brinson. Will, the unlucky whitehead tweet that you sent out actually made me laugh out loud. I retweeted it, and I actually feel bad for the poor guy. He is unlucky here. So the Cowboys are standing by their decision to cut Lucky Whitehead, even though he was exonerated by police in a case of mistaken identity here. Whitehead on the street. The Cowboys saying, that you know this was a you know a collection of things that led to this. I think the Cowboys come off well, looking pretty bad here as a result. The Cowboys look like a bunch of clowns here, and this probably won't be the. I mean, like clowns is a word that I use frequently. It's a, maybe clowns is a bad word. The Cowboys come across looking like hypocrites, right? Because here's the thing: they said when Lucky Whitehead was erroneous, erroneously charged, erroneous, erroneous, yes, and cleared of all charges. Um, in between that time, they, they decided they were going to cut him. They actually didn't file the paperwork, so they screwed up. And they were like, well, just too much stuff has happened with Lucky Whitehead. Okay, like there's been a lot of stuff, guys, and we just aren't going to tolerate that. We have a high bar for character. Jerry Jones and Jason Garrett have been questioned that day about the type of character people that they have on the team. And so they cut Lucky Whitehead because he, too much stuff has happened with them. You know what Ezekiel Elliott's had happen with him? A ton of stuff. He's been pulled for speeding. He's been involved in. He's been located centrally near a uh, an incident at a nightclub. He pulled down a girl's top at Mardi Gras. And uh, to be fair, to though, to be fair, though, who hasn't done that at Mardi Gras at some point in a man's life? Right. right. But all I'm saying is that if you flip this, and Lucky Whitehead did what Ezekiel Elliott did. Lucky Whitehead's cut because he's a special teamer, maybe fringe roster guy, wide receiver. He's not the NFL's leading rusher, and I think that the Cowboys uh, showed the reality of the NFL and their true character when they made that stand with Lucky Whitehead, who's actually cut. Now, look, the NFLPA is not going to do anything. Lucky Whitehead's not going to do anything. You're an employee at will in the NFL. Yep. You get cut for a reason. He got hosed by some guy getting a social security number, which, by the way, kids, don't give out your social. Um, and Can, can I kind of stop? Like, like – who would ever give out there? Like, it's insane to me that anyone would ever think, you know what's a good idea today? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give someone my social security number. Like, that seems like there would be a good goal to accomplish today. Right, like, how did this guy get it? Was it like, I don't think like Lucky Whitehead was for, like filling out a mortgage loan and, and like, and this guy hacked into it. I'm sure it's like one of his boys from back in the day. And he, I mean, but, by the way, hey, police, maybe take a mugshot. Like, okay, I, I, a photo of the guy you arrest. How does this happen? Like, it's stunning to me. And look, I, I great respect for our law enforcement, obviously. But like, how does something like this happen? Like, Lucky Whitehead wasn't even in the state when this happened. Like, they have the flights to prove it, like the flight information. How do you screw something like this up? I mean, that is so bad here. And for Lucky Whitehead, look, you kind of get it, right? Because the guy, it's not like he's Eric Metcalf or Brian Mitchell returning kicks here or Dante Hall or, or Devin Hester. Middle of the pack, both kick and punt returns last year for the Cowboys. So this is not like a ginormous
enormous loss for the Dallas Cowboys here. But the bottom line is they've got egg on their face. And Jason Garrett was like Sean Spicer up there yesterday answering questions, filibustering, hashtag fake news all over the place. Like, just, just admit it. Like, they can't admit it. Like, hey, we cut this guy to make a statement. You know what would really make a statement? Cut Randy Gregory. Don't sign Greg Hardy. Do something proactively about Ezekiel Elliott. But they won't do that, Will. Do you know why, buddy? Because you're 100% right. You know what the Dallas Cowboys and Jerry Jones are? A bunch of hypocrites. Now, the NFL is littered with hypocrites, so we're not singling out the Dallas Cowboys. Most, if not all, teams engage in this sort of behavior. But I think where this really bothers me, because you have empathy for the young man here, because he did not deserve to lose his job. It would be one thing if he did it. He did not do it. And now the Cowboys are putting their heels in the sand here. And it's really unfortunate because the young man's now unemployed. And I really hope that he lands on his feet, gets a job with another team because he did not deserve to be cut by the Cowboys. I'm starting to I'm starting to really root against the Cowboys in 2017. Just, like I liked the now? Cowboys in 2016, <laughs> right? Because they were they were you know they were fun, energetic. Zeke Elliott, he's eating out of the spoon, he's diving into the kettles. Dak Prescott, an amazing story, is a later round rookie who comes on to start for America's team. I've never liked the Cowboys just by virtue of you know being someone who was born in the 80s and being alive at a time when tons of bandwagon people are, are hopping on board the Cowboys because they win the Super Bowls or America's team. They were enjoyable in 2016. They were a fun story in a crappy year for the NFL. You know what? Screw the Cowboys in 2017. Cowboys stink. Get out of here, Cowboys. Yeah. You're trash. They're probably going to end up being a pretty good team again this year because they've got a good roster. And look, you want six, six wins. You want you want to talk about hating the Cowboys, man? I mean, I'm a Giants fan and. Uh, Basically, my childhood consisted of Emmett Smith running all over my team with a regular shoulder, separated shoulder. It didn't really make a difference, and older football fans will hey, remember hey, that. The, the really quick, and I know we're going to move on, but an underrated story, Nick, yeah. in, in the in NFL history is that Jerry Jones, and he, he tells the story, he told it like last year about this at the end of the year. He said in 96, when they won that Super Bowl with Barry Switzer, right, or 95 or 96, he, whatever it Super was. Super Bowl the, 30 over the Pittsburgh Steelers. Right, right, right. He tells a story about how he got down on his knees and he prayed to the high to, to his higher power, the big guy, the big G, maybe God, maybe you heard of him. I'd say probably the big S, probably Satan, but yeah, go on. <laughs> he said, I mean, this is sort of a, a, a Mustafalian type of deal. He said, if you give me this Super Bowl, I will never ask for another one from you. And he got it, and he hadn't gotten one since. And you sort of wonder if that wasn't a little bit greedy because he basically wanted to win one without Jimmy Johnson. Yeah. Won it, and then he just assumed that that deal wouldn't hold up. I think he might be in perpetual limbo when it comes to winning a Super Bowl, and maybe this is his ultimate teaser team. He thinks he's cracked the window open. He's got the offensive line. He's got the running back. He's got the quarterback. Not this year, Jerry. And, and I think the player to be named later in that trade that, that Jerry Jones made with God or Satan or wherever it was were those eight and eight consecutive seasons where they lost to each team in the NFC East in week 17 in a win and end game. The Giants, Cowboys, Giants, Eagles, and Redskins all to knock them out on the seasons. Or, or player to be named later was Quincy Carter. Oh, my God. Remember Quincy? My favorite, just real quick before we move on, do you remember the first game in the history of the Houston Texans, their, their expansion year? It was Cowboys-Texans on Sunday Night Football and Quincy Carter Carter overthrew a ball so badly in that game that Dave Campo, who was the Cowboys head coach that year, caught the ball, like caught it on the sideline and just looked at Quincy Carter as if he wanted to smite him off the face of the earth. The Cowboys lost that game to Houston. David Carr starting for the Texans in their expansion season. So that was a funny Quincy Carter story. Now, you mentioned the offensive line, and it's worth noting here because we spent time banging on the Cowboys just now. They did get it right 
with Lyle Collins. And obviously Lyle Collins was a you know, a couple years ago was a huge prospect in the draft. He was you know, a suspect in, in a murder case. He was exonerated. He ends up signing with Dallas. He goes undrafted and played well enough over the last couple of years despite missing a bunch of games last year. Signs a two-year extension on Tuesday worth over $15 million. Now you put Collins, Will, with Zach Martin and Tyron Smith and Travis Frederick and this Cowboys offensive line. My God almighty, that is a beastly group up front for Zeke to run behind. Yeah, it is. Um, look, they're loaded and the Cowboys were getting ripped when they were drafting. Remember, Zach Martin was the infamous Johnny Manziel draft. Jerry Jones wanted to draft Johnny Manziel. They got blasted when they drafted Travis Frederick in the first round in 2013. Tyron Smith, a fantastic pick, even in a fantastic draft. Like, I think they took Tyron Smith ahead of J.J. Watt, for instance. I mean, that's, you know, the, not bad. Not a bad no, pick. No, but you can uh, actually make the case that, like, Tyron Smith is, like, on the same level quality of play as J.J. Watt. Sure. Just depends on how you're building. I guess my point is that the Cowboys were ahead of the curve, and I credit Stephen Jones for this, and that they invested heavily in the offensive line, sort of like a money ball type of thing. It ain't Jerry doing it, right? I mean, Jerry just Jerry's, Jerry's hanging out striking oil. Their first-round picks have been – it's weird. Their first-round picks have been really good since 2010. You have Dez, Zeke. Zach Martin, Travis Frederick, Tyron Smith, and then they just burn these second-round picks on on bad pass rushers who, who get suspended. I think that they're going to look really good on the offensive line again, but I do think it is worth noting that there's a little bit of movement this year, right? So you have Chaz Green at the left guard position, Lyle Collins kicking out to the right tackle yeah. position. There's some guys who are going to be learning new positions, and Lyle Collins got hurt too last year, and they had that depth with Ron Leary because they didn't trade him in the offseason when people thought they should for a backup quarterback. Remember, they're going to flip Ron Leary for Josh McCown. Good thing they didn't do that. Oh, my God. Uh, right? That would, have changed, that would have changed the history of 2016. And you just wonder, like, there's a little bit of concern, I think, if because there's going to be a trickle-down effect if somebody gets hurt. They have to get healthy. They have to stay healthy, excuse me. Luck is a little bit, you know, health is a little bit of a luck factor in the NFL, and they need that offensive line to stay healthy and for everybody to gel. You've got a little bit of changeover. Maybe Zeke suspended one or two games to start the year. Maybe the offensive line doesn't click right away. I don't think a slow start is out of the question for Dallas. Now, speaking of luck and speaking of concerns, let's move to Indianapolis, Will, where Andrew Luck, the Colts franchise quarterback, starting training camp on the PUP list. I think that I have thrown a football sooner than Andrew Luck has. I don't think Andrew Luck has thrown a football since, what, January, December? I think that at some point in the last six months, I have actually thrown a football, which gives me more football throws in the year 2017 than the Colts starting quarterback, Andrew Luck, plus their first-round pick, Ohio State safety Malik Hooker, being bandied about as a potential Ed Reed-type playmaker in the back of Chuck Pagano's defense. I stole that directly from your column. Thank you very much on CBSSports.com. Stole it straight from Pete Briscoe's draft grades. Guys, I love it. So the Colts here, man, I think that there's major, major, major reason for concern with them. Yeah, I do too, and I, and I pointed this out. And actually, I need to edit that. I think Andrew Luck is actually throwing at this point, but he's not. You know, we haven't seen a hype video a la Teddy Bridgewater or Cam Newton. <laughs> and if there's no hype video, it didn't really happen. Um, Obviously. I just think that when you look at what happened here, Nick, that the way that this whole process with the shoulder, with Andrew Luck, I mean, you, you, you do know when he hurt his shoulder, right? It, it was what, in like 1997, right? It was like or, years ago. It, 81, 81. <laughs> it is, it's 2015. It was literally two years ago. And the Colts let this drag on. You wonder, was that a Jim Irsay thing? Was it an Andrew Luck thing? Was it a Ryan Grigson thing? Let's blame Ryan Grigson because that's the most fun. Easy scapegoat, but then they, you know, they finally went out and said, "All right, let's get the off-season shoulder surgery taken care of." 
this year. I think it was the smart move. But you wonder if he if he doesn't if he's not playing in the preseason and he's just throwing. Can he just step in week one and start taking hits in live action? Is that is I mean, is he going to be ready week one? Oh, and is by he- the way, week one in Los Angeles against a Rams defense anchored by Aaron Donald, who's pretty, pretty, pretty good, and Wade Phillips coordinating things now. By, by the way, that by the way, that Wade Phillips defense is going to be interesting to watch, but we, we'll get to that later. That's a I, I think the transition of the three four would be fascinating. But yeah, they're going to get pressure on Luck. He's got a better offensive line than he's had in years past. I just think that this is the most underrated story of the offseason is that Andrew Luck is not – I mean, Chris Ballard said, well, we don't know when he's going to be ready. Maybe ready preseason. Maybe ready um, – You know, I mean, like it, it just feels like it's not being reported enough or talked about enough that Andrew Luck is possibly not going to play at all in the preseason. And I think week one is still on the table as far as a question mark goes. I, I will go so far to say I would be surprised if Andrew Luck played more than one snap. In the, I would set the over-under for Andrew Luck preseason snaps at a half, and I would pound the under because I don't think you're going to see him out there. And it's not like the Colts have Steve Young sitting behind Joe Montana and Andrew Luck. It's Scott freaking Tolzien. Like, I think the Colts have, have a, a sneaky ability here to totally bottom out this year if Andrew Luck is not on the field because they need him to have any chance of winning. And by the way, the other starting safety potentially, Clayton Gathers, he's he's hurt. He might not be there to start the season. The back- he's not. He's not. No, he's, he's, he's not going to be there to start the season. He's out six weeks. So Clayton Gathers not going to be ready. Malik Hooker, who had hamstring issues in college, then had some other medical red flags leading up to the combine and the draft and now tweaks his hamstring during a conditioning test. So look at the AFC South. The Texans got better addition by subtraction, getting rid of Brock Osweiler. You plug Deshaun Watson and they're even Tom Savage an upgrade over the awful Brock Osweiler. The Tennessee Titans got better this offseason. The Jacksonville Jaguars got better this offseason. I'm not saying the Colts are going to finish in last place in the AFC South, but I'm not not saying, well, that they'll finish in last place in the AFC South. All right. If I gave you – and I, I do think it's worth pointing out that, that Chris Ballard did a nice job adding some physical pieces of this defense and trying to, for at least the first time since Chuck Pagano got there, you know, give some guys in his scheme. I mean, like, that's the worst thing Ryan Grigson ever did outside of not helping Andrew Luck's protection, was he like, he didn't even get guys that work for his coach. You know, like, get guys that work in the scheme. And I think Chris Ballard's done a nice job doing that. But the Andrew Luck thing is a concern. If I gave you the Texans and the Colts, would, would you, all right, let me, I'll give you a choice. Texans and Colts or Jaguars and Titans, which one, would, who would you take if you had to pick a division winner knowing that if you lose, you die. I, I take. I'll take the. I take the Texans. That, that's that's pretty heavy. Uh, if I lose, I die. Um, I like to live, so I'm going to take the Texans and the Colts. Reason being, I think Houston's the class of the division. Best defense, and they added the guy who I consider to be the best quarterback in this year's draft, Deshaun Watson. Like enough. Like, can we get Tom Savage? Like, I don't want to see Tom Savage play one game this year for the Texans. Get Deshaun Watson out there. The guy's a winner. So I think Houston's the best team. Who would you take in that scenario? Guns to your head. I'm ready to pull that trigger, Will Brinson. Texans, Colts, or Jaguars, Titans? Well, it, I'll, I'm going to take the Titans. I like the Titans a lot, but I mean, I don't. I, the, hi, the thing that has me concerned about the Titans is the hype train. And by the way, I agree with you. I think Deshaun Watson is going to end up winning that starting job. As I said on Monday on the on the very this Pick Six podcast, which by the way, subscribe via iTunes, Stitcher, all that stuff. Leave us a review, rate us, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But as I said, I think Deshaun Watson pulls a Russell Wilson in Houston, ends up taking that job from Tom Savage. And then you ultimately see him play well because he's a gamer. Now, I don't think he's Joe Montana, Tom Brady, as as Dabo Sweeney said. 
but he does have that it factor. He, he plays well on a huge stage, and I think he'll be comfortable as a rookie starting in the NFL as he learns it, as he learns under Bill O'Brien. But to me, the Titans are sort of like a, ba- a poor man's Cowboys in a worse division with deep with more depth at running back and uh, with less sort of red flags hanging around um, other positions. And I would take. I think I would actually take Marcus Mariota over Dak Prescott if I was starting a franchise. Yeah, I think it's close, and I don't think anyone would bang on you for that. And look, take you behind the curtain a little bit. I blew it here because last night Will and I are talking, and and I and Will goes to me, listen, let's just make sure, and you're 100% right, that we need to plug to subscribe and review at the beginning of the podcast. In my infinite wisdom, I forget to do that. Will does my job for me, so I'm going to do it again now. You're going to subscribe and leave us a five-star review because we're five-star human beings. The Pick 6 Podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, wherever the hell else you find podcasts, you can find us. And if you like us, get out there and tell the world. Leave us that five-star review and subscribe to the Pick 6 Podcast. Will, a couple more items of news before we bring in Pete Prisco. How about Broncos head coach Gary Kubiak? Former head coach Gary Kubiak. He stepped down six months ago, Will, and he's already back with the organization, signing on as a senior personnel advisor based out of Texas here. And I just think that this dovetails so nicely with the news that John Elway received an extension to keep running the Denver Broncos, making him one of the highest paid executives in football. And look at what they've done since Elway took over. Playoffs five out of six years, a couple Super Bowl appearances, a Super Bowl championship. This organization is run like a damn well-oiled machine. Yeah, I mean, it is. I will say that there is an interesting situation unfolding at the quarterback position this offseason because, and I, I mean, look, I like Paxton Lynch a lot. I think he's a potential breakout candidate this year, and I liked him at Memphis. And, but I do think that, like, I like the idea that they redshirted him one year in the pros just like he did at Memphis. I don't think they redshirted him. I don't think he was ready to play. Well, but that's a redshirt. I mean, well, I mean, he did play, like, when Simeon got hurt and he was atrocious. Yeah. I, but I think they really wanted – they really felt like he, he needed a year to sit and learn. But I think there is concern – I would be concerned if I was Paxton Lynch that Gary Kubiak, the guy whose system I'm not built to run, <laughs> is now invo- heavily involved in the, in the organization as a personnel guy. Because remember, Kubiak, Kubiak was the offensive – Kubiak was a quarterback for the Broncos, right? Kubiak was John Elway's backup in Denver. He was John Elway's backup. Then he was John Elway's offensive coordinator under Mike Shanahan. Then he became the head coach under John Elway. I mean, there's some incestuous uh, motion, like like motion offense stuff going on here. They're essentially and- the NFL's version of the Lannisters. Yeah. Ooh, that's pretty good. Yeah. And uh, Gary Kubiak always pays his uh, debts. Um, I think, that, but I think that if you're Paxton Lynch, you are best suited to run a Mike McCoy style offense. And I wonder how the influence of Gary Kubiak and John Elway on Mike McCoy and Vance Joseph, a first-year head coach doing this for the first time, will sort of position that offense and whether Trevor Simeon gets a leg up because Gary Kubiak is now back in the building with it, John Elway's ear, you know, nuzzled up against John Elway's ear. I just have confidence that the Broncos will find a way to make it work because I just think John Elway runs this organization with such a plum and such class, and I love the fact that he hired Vance Joseph. He loved the interview with Vance Joseph before they eventually settled on Kubiak, which was the right move. Why? Because they won a Super Bowl championship, and then he still gets his guy, Vance, to make her dance. Vance to make her dance. I think Vance Joseph. Is that a, is that a David Bowie reference? Or no, Vance that, that's, that's a rap song. Vance to make her dance, except it's uh, Vance to make her dance. Uh, I think uh, the, the young kids listening will get that, Will. I, I think that you have to give John Elway a lot of credit because he fi- he 
didn't fire. He ran John Fox off after a Super Bowl appearance and then a divisional loss, of course, to the to the Colts. Yep. But they, under John Fox, his final three years in, in, in Denver, they won 38 games in three years. I mean, that's you don't fire a guy who wins 38 games in three years, but he did it, and then they won the Super Bowl. I, I do worry a little bit about how the defense looks after Wade Phillips leaves. That's a concern to me. I know Vance Joseph, a lot of you know, good defensive coordinator, a little bit, a little bit concerned with the new head coach and then the quarterback position. I think, I think Denver will be good, but I think they, I wouldn't be surprised if they finished fourth in that division. Yeah, that is a very tough division, the AFC West, and I know you and I bullish on the Los Angeles Chargers as well, the fourth place team last year out in the AFC West. You know what's never going to finish in last place, Will Brinson? The Pick Six Podcast. That also, but mainly our friends over at Blue Apron. Let me tell you about Blue Apron. They're absolutely magnificent. Did you know, Will, that they are the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country? That's a, it's a trick question. I know that you know that because you use Blue Apron. Tell the listeners about your experience with this great product. So we, we used to get this, like my wife and I would get like choked up trying to figure out what we were going to do for dinner. Choked like, up? No, we'd just be like, oh, what do we do for dinner tonight? We'd end up like buying like, not, not like choked up crying, but we just we just gag, like, because we'd be like, oh, like, what are we going to do? And then we just order expensive takeout, or we'd end up going to the store every single day. And that ends up, you know, you can't go into the store without spending 50 bucks. Instead of going to the store and spending 50 bucks on one meal, you can get Blue Apron and you get three meals free, I believe, yes. with a podcast code courtesy of us. My wife couldn't cook before we got Blue Apron, and now she balls out in the kitchen. She's sprinkling truffle salt on everything. She's mixing in like some creme fraiche into like into meals on the weekend when we've already gone through our blue apron stuff. I love fresh cream. Yeah. And so, yeah, so what's our offer code? We got a new offer code with the Pick 6 Podcast, right? Indeed we do. Going to give that offer code in a second here, but I currently will. You talk about choked up. I get choked up when I see meals like the seared chicken and creamy pasta salad, which comes with summer squash and sweet pepper, or the chili butter steaks with Parmesan potatoes and spinach, under $10 per person. You said it, buddy. You can't go to a restaurant for under 50 bucks a person. We're under 10 bucks a person with Blue Apron. It's affordable. There's a ton of variety, and it's guaranteed their freshness guarantee. It promises, Will, every ingredient in your delivery arrives ready to cook or they will make it right. Now, you brought up that promo code. Here it is. So listen up right now. You are going to go to blueapron.com backslash roughing. Roughing is the promo code here. Blueapron.com slash roughing. You're going to get your first three meals free along with free shipping. Blueapron.com slash roughing. Roughing. You're going to love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. Do not wait. BlueApron.com slash roughing. Blue Apron. It's a better way to cook. As promised, we're now joined by Pete Prisco. He is in the car on the way to the airport heading to Arizona Cardinals training camp. And Billy Brinson, our guy Pete Prisco, his overrated, underrated list came out. And Pete, we're going to give you some credit here. And Will and I definitely hate to do this, but we're going through it last night over text message. We actually thought this was a pretty accurate list, Pete. So a very nice job by you, my friend. 
that's the kiss of death for my list better. You both agree with it. All right, so <laughs> so you've got your overrated player, Redskins quarterback Kirk Cousins. We did that on Monday in detail. We'll talk with Jason Lockin for a little bit about Kirk Cousins, your underrated player, Minnesota Vikings pass rusher, Daniil Hunter. You think he could have 15 sacks this year? That's great, but here's the thing. No one cares about the underrated players. It's the overrated players that have all the appeal. And Will Brinson, let's begin with one of Pete's overrated players, New York Giants quarterback Eli Manning here. I'm just going to roll the ball out there, Will, and let you and Pete go head-to-head here before I chime in. Well, here's the thing, Nick. Last year when Pete and I were doing a podcast, I pointed out that Russell Wilson was an MVP candidate. Pete lost his mind and proceeded to say that Eli Manning was an MVP candidate. And now Pete's calling him overrated. Where do you stand on this, Pete? What's the deal? And Brandon Marshall is a more overrated player than Eli Manning in the first place when it comes to the Giants. By the way, uh, Russell Wilson is also overrated. He just didn't make the list this year. But uh, look, Eli Manning is one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the history of the NFL. But right now, he's he's one of the most overrated quarterbacks in the NFL. I mean, if you go back and look at Eli Manning's numbers of success and the Super Bowl rings and, and the yardage, he's top 10 in touchdowns, top 10 in yards. He's underrated, but he hasn't played very well the past two years, and, and still there's people propping him up uh, as the same guy who won the Super Bowl. That's why he's overrated. Is it possible that Eli can be overrated this year, but also I feel like as a Giants fan, that in the big moments, like in that Packers playoff game, if Odell Beckham Jr. catches a couple passes in the first quarter of that game, maybe it's a different game. Maybe the Giants go on to the divisional rounds of the postseason. So I agree, Eli's overrated as of right now, and he's not the same quarterback that he was when he was winning Super Bowl championships. But that being said, Pete, the guy is still super clutch. And if you're a fan, like you got to still have confidence in number 10. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt you still have confidence in him. He can still get it done. I just think that it's not the same Eli as early in his career. Maybe he ain't just starting to become a factor. It didn't help that his offensive line stunk last year either, as you know, Nick. And uh, I think he'll bounce back. I really do. But right now, he's, he's overrated for this year. And in the grand scheme of things, he's highly underrated. You guys are a bunch of clowns. Talk about Eli Manning is underrated for his career. He is. He's got, he's got half of the – he's got two – first of all, he's got two Super Bowl rings. He's, I don't think he's ever – I mean, like, he's never led – has he ever led the league in anything other than interceptions? Really? I mean, they, they, this is a guy that, that is going to be – he's going to have his massaged into a first-ballot Hall of Fame resume because his last name is Manning. Massaged? Think, Will, he beat the Patriots you, in two Super Bowls with two Super Bowl MVPs. That's a massage for you, bud? He – Right. Not only that, he's top ten in touchdowns and yards. Because he's played – You have no he, idea what you're talking about. Because he's played forever. This is, look, this is a guy with two good runs in the playoffs. He's, he's not as good a quarterback as a guy like Phillip Rivers, and he gets treated like he's a demigod. If his name was Alex Smith, you'd be, you'd be bashing him. If, if, if his name was Alex Smith, he wouldn't have two Super Bowl rings because Alex Smith can't be Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, and Eli Manning did it twice when it matters the most. I mean, Will, I'm with you. I agree. Eli Manning overrated in 2017, but for the history of his career, the guy is criminally underrated. Not just underrated, criminally underrated. We are currently at the history point of his career. If he's overrated right now, then he cannot be underrated based on his career. That's insanity. It's redundancy, and you're both lunatics. All right, Pete, I- I'm going to give this point to us because we are right and Will Brinson is wrong. Now, how about the next player, overrated, Pete? Another NFC quarterback, NFC East quarterback. This is going to get the people fired up, Pete. Tell us why Dak Prescott, in your mind, is overrated. And by the way, you're wrong. Because the train needs to slow down a little bit on this guy. I mean, he went through the league last year. Nobody knew what to expect. There wasn't any book on him. Now there's a book on him. The people know what to expect. Uh, they ran the ball. He threw, you know, his touchdown interception. 
because you don't drive the ball down the field as much as some of the other quarterbacks that do throw intercepts. So uh, I think this time around, it's going to be a little different for him. I'm not going to say he's going to regress, but I think the kid has what it takes to be a successful NFL quarterback for a long time. He loves it. He lives it. He works it. And he's a smart kid. Be a very good player. But the reason I put him on the list is please slow the roll a little bit. You know, I saw something where somebody said the other day he could be the MVP of the league. Are you kidding me? Give me a break. Well, okay. All right, look, I don't agree. I don't disagree that he's probably a little bit overrated, but it depends on where we're rating him. I mean, you just said he's not going to regress and he's going to be a really good quarterback for a long time. He went 13-3 and last year. Pretty good year. If we're rating him as a top 15 quarterback, then I think he's properly rated. If we're rating him as the best quarterback in the NFL, of course he's overrated. Or even a top five quarterback in the NFL, of course he's overrated. He's I think he'll have a good year. Is he a top ten quarter? Is he a top ten quarterback? He could That's be ranked by a lot of people. He, he's not. He could be. And, and, and look, and look. Here's the thing about this podcast: we're always going to be honest with you. No manufactured debates. No picking sides just to pick sides here. So I agreed with Pete on the last one. Will I'm going to take you back to January? Pete Prisco here in sunny South Florida. We're doing the post game show, divisional round of the postseason, Cowboys and Packers. And what did Pete Prisco say that I agreed with? Dak Prescott outplayed Aaron Rodgers in that game over the balance of that game. That was six months ago. Now, to quote that line from Seinfeld, the marine biologist episode, he's angry, like an old man sending soup back at a deli. Will, he can't handle that the young kid is getting all this shine. Six months ago, he's saying he outplayed Aaron Rodgers in a playoff game. Now, all of a sudden, the kid's overrated. How can he be overrated if he was so majestic when it mattered the most, Pete, and they should have won that game if not for the defense at the end and moved on to the NFC Championship game? And who the hell knows? At home against the Falcons, Maybe we're talking about Dak Prescott with a Super Bowl start under his belt as a rookie. Well, I mean, look, maybe so, but <laughs> like he got nothing. He's got nothing. He's going to have more. He's going to have more on his shoulders this year, which I think is going to be a, a little bit of more of a problem for him. It's you know, look, he's going to be good. It's just I think this year is going to be a little regress, and I I put him as overrated because people put him in the top ten. He's not a top ten quarterback. That's absurd. I, I also think Pete, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here. I think that. When you look at the Cowboys roster, it's hard to find anybody else who might fit the the slot as overrated because none of these linemen are overrated, right? I mean, they don't really have anybody on defense who's going to be overrated. And Ezekiel Elliott, properly rated. Dez Bryant, properly rated. Yeah. I mean, maybe you go Dez. Maybe you didn't want to deal with the Twitter backlash of Dez. You know who's overrated at this point? Ryan Switzer. Because we've already gr- crowned him the god of the slot before the guy has even played one NFL game. Will, how about his next overrated player? Raiders running back, Marshawn Lynch. Pete, how'd you come up with this one? If you go back and look at what Lynch did his last year in Seattle, and I granted they had a bad offensive line, but with Thomas Walton, there. He ran the ball much better. He, he he averaged what three points something per carry. That that's not good enough. And I think you know you, you know it's going to be almost two years from the time he last carried the football to the time he's going to carry the football again. That's a long time away. To think he's just going to step in and become the same guy that beast mode again is absurd. So that's why he's overrated. I think you could make a case uh, for either Derek Carr, or Michael Crabtree in the spot. But I'm, I mean I'm okay with Lynch because. The assumption is that Lynch is the missing piece for the Raiders to win a Super Bowl, and that just doesn't work. I mean, like it, it, Marshawn Lynch is not going to come in from retirement. Like he's been he's been hanging out and kicking it and and selling beast mode clothes. He's not going to roll in from retirement and just dominate and become this power running monster. I mean, if there's anybody that you might believe could do it and maybe just channel the spirit of Oakland in this crotch grabbing end zone leaping fiesta next year, it's Marshawn Lynch. But he's a 30-plus-year-old he's a running back. It just doesn't make any sense. So I, I, I tend to buy it 
And I, I, it's hard to find somebody else on the Raiders who might fit that bill more than Marshawn. And, you know, you know, for the last year, he's been trying to avoid getting hit by a bus in Scotland and things of that nature for Marshawn Lynch. Now, Marshawn could score 10-plus touchdowns this year, but I think we can all agree this is not the same guy that beast back in the playoffs against the New Orleans Saints or helped the Seahawks to win a championship and really should have won another. So, Pete, I got to agree with you here on Marshawn Lynch. One I can't agree with you on, though, is Buffalo Bills wide receiver Sammy Watkins because I think the guy is going to have a monster season. Pete, explain yourself on this one to the Bills Mafia with Sammy Watkins. Well, the best ability is availability, and Sammy Watkins is always hurt. And yet, every year, everybody goes into saying the exact same thing that you're saying right now. Watch out. It's going to be a big year for Sammy Watkins. Has it been a big year for Sammy Watkins yet? No. Because he doesn't stay on the field. The guy's fragile. He's always hurt. And yet, every single summer, guys like you, probably in your fantasy league, you pick them very high. Oh, definitely. going to have a bust-out season. finally going to have a breakout season. That's a bad pick if the guy's always hurt. Yeah, I mean, look, you can, you know, he, he only played in eight games last year. I mean, counterpoint, he had a thousand receiving yards under a Rex Ryan offense. So maybe, maybe he's up to something. Uh, the foot stuff is concerning. I, I, I think Watkins is an elite receiver, elite receiving talent, and he's capable of joining the upper echelon of guys. But I, I, I don't disagree with you in terms of the injury problems. I just don't know. Yeah, actually, you know what? I agree with you. I think he's overrated. Watkins has got to – he's got to step up. Look, he had – what, he had 28 catches last year? You got to have – you got to have more than that. You're, you get two first-round picks used on you instead of taking – just sitting still and taking Odell Beckham or, or Mike Evans. The Bills have to answer for that. You know, but, but here's the thing with Watkins. I don't think anyone's really expecting much from him this year. I mean, the Bills declined the fifth-year option, Will. To your point, they spent all that draft capital moving up in that trade with the Cleveland Browns to take Sammy Watkins here. They declined his fifth-year option. Now, I understand it's a new regime now with Sean McDermott calling the shots and Brandon being the general manager. But bottom line here, I don't think that Watkins, a lot of expectations for him this season. You might have some fantasy players that disagree, but I think for the most part, Sammy Watkins underrated at this point. And look, I'm not saying he's Odell Beckham Jr., but there was a reason why, going into that draft, people said Watkins was probably the clear-cut number one guy over people like Odell Beckham Jr., over Mike Evans. The guy's got a ridiculous amount of talent. Oh, and guess what? They're not going to be running an offense straight out of the Mesozoic era this year. They're actually going to throw the football to their best player, Sammy Watkins. What a novel concept. While Rex Ryan sits and opines on a studio somewhere uh, while an offense, a real offense, is actually getting run. So both of you clowns are wrong on this one. Big season for my guy, Sammy Watkins, and the hashtag is it, Bills Mafia. Is he going to catch those passes in street clothes? I, I, no, in all truth... I think that Watkins has been extraordinarily unlucky thus far in his career with all those foot injuries. Well, you know what? That's kind of like you in the picks contest every every year. Well, too. well, I mean, going back, I've actually beaten you in both the picks contests that we've done. Let's eh, move on now to eh, Patriots quarterback no, Stephon no. Gilmore, and it'll be fun because all three of us will be in the super contest this year. We'll compete, give our picks every Friday here on the Pick Six podcast. Now, Will Brinson, you were texting me last night about Stephon Gilmore, Pete's pick of him, obviously the big free agent signing of the Patriots here. What do you got on Steph Gilmore? Well, I mean, just following the money, you know who doesn't think Stephon Gilmore's overrated? Bill freaking Belichick. Sorry, Pete, I got to disagree with you here. I think he plugs in to this system with Malcolm Butler on the other side, and you see Stephon Gilmore actually channel the talent he had coming out of South Carolina Utilized properly by Bill Belichick. You know, you think Rex Ryan would get the most out of cornerbacks, but that's what happens when you bring in Rob. I think you see Stephon Gilmore have a big year and justify that massive contract. 
Yeah, well, you know, Bill Belichick never missed on paying big free agents to Albert Hainsworth, but uh, that's a whole other story. Look, the bottom line is Gilmore did not play that well early last season. For eight games, he really struggled. He got beat man coverage. There's tape all over the place of it. Uh, is he the best cornerback on the Patriots right now? No. Malcolm Butler is better. So Bill Belichick is being a little stubborn here. He's paid him a lot of money. I think he's a good corner. The way they paid him, you think he was damn Deion Sanders in his prime. But Pete, don't you think that under the tutelage of Bill Belichick here, and I can't disagree with you, Butler over Gilmore, as it concerns the last couple of years here, but don't you think that if they haven't extended Butler and they had these trade talks with Malcolm Butler and the New Orleans Saints, and then they splash all the money at Gilmore, that Bill Belichick, widely considered to be the greatest football mind of all time, don't you think that he's probably got some plans for Stephon Gilmore that will probably end up being fairly impressive? Well, I mean, what more plans can you have than he played man coverage a lot? But Rex Ryan, isn't that the simplest thing in the world for a guy to do? And that's what he's supposed to be, and he got torched a lot last year. So, I mean, you, you look, you can talk about Bill Belichick playing all those trap coverages and zone coverages and doing everything else, but if you really, you know, want to evaluate a quarterback, when he's lined up man-to-man against the guy, does he win? And last year, he lost a lot. So, look, he's a good player. The way he paid him, they think he's a great player. The way the Patriots fans talk, he's thinking he's on the same. Darrell Revis at his prime. He's not that and uh, I just think that's why he's overrated. By the way, the, the Patriots gave up a fifth-round pick in a trade for Albert Hanger, so not really apples to giant watermelons. I, I was going to say it was Dan Snyder who? that splashed all that money on Albert Hainsworth. It wasn't Bill Belichick brought Hainsworth in at the end. It was Dan Snyder and the Redskins that plopped down all that money, Pete. Pete, fake news. But then he brought, him in under that, he brought him in under that same contract, though. And that's it. It was good pay, right? Fake news. By the way, Fake News Prisco, I think, is his new name. And before we let Pete go, Will, I need to share a story with you. Yeah, fake news. I need to share a story with you and the audience. So before we start the podcast this past Monday, we're all on Skype on the video call, and we're, we're shooting the breeze. And I say to Pete, Pete, it looks because he's always talking about his workouts and how much he's benching, right? We all have to hear about it all the time. And I say, Pete, it looks like you've got some, some man boobs there, buddy. And Pete goes, no, nah, not me. He sends a text message yesterday, Will saying that I got him so paranoid that he was doing extra <laughs> reps on the bench here against his doctor's orders that could potentially screw up his health long-term here. Pete, how did you let me get in your head to that extent? You're usually like a steel trap with this stuff, bud. You know what it is? It's kind of like how I get into your head when you go out to the drugstore and buy Rogaine because I tell you everybody every week that your hairline's go back and you, you fight it and you fight it fine. And finally you went out. I have spies in the Walgreens in South Florida that saw you go to the counter and pick yourself up some Rogaine the other day. So, Nick, you know what? We get in each other's heads. I hope the Rogaine works for you. He's the NFL's Pete version Pris- of Varus, Pete. Uh, Will, he's got little birds everywhere, apparently. Pete Prisco. I am Varus. I am Varus, except for one problem. Varus has something. I have something that Varus doesn't have. Yeah, some hair left. Uh, Pete, Pete, you're going to be questionable in week 13 with a torn C cup. Brinson, I could go one-handed and out that shoe. I don't know what you're talking about. I know. All right. Okay, Pete. So listen, when you go through security. Hey, hey wait a second. Nick, Nick, wait, Nick. You got to get on Brinson the other day. Remember he was telling us all about his workout? And he says, oh, I do cardio for uh, 30 minutes. Then I do the I stair stepper. Look at a few weights once in a while. And listen, listen, to, to be fair, to be fair, Will. Nobody wants to hear this. Will, Will, we do have to bang on you a little bit here, bud, because Will's going through his workout in the same conversation and goes, well, I start off with a half an hour on the stair mat or whatever, the, on the elliptical, and then I'm thinking, oh, and now he's going to talk about how he lifts weights for a half hour. And he goes, and then I do another half hour on the treadmill. So he goes, half hour elliptical, half hour treadmill. There's so many questions here. Like, why wouldn't you just do an hour <laughs> on one of the machines? Why are you not lifting weights? Like, who gave you this workout, uh, 
uh, routine. Jane Fonda, like, where did this come from, Will? I mean, like, do, do you even lift, bro? The answer is no. I don't need to lift. Like, I don't have to go and lift. I like my I like my little bird arms. I don't need to be some steak face walking around South Florida like, Dan, I'm married. I got a three-year-old. What do I need to, what do I need to lift for? Because lifting's good for you, you dummy. I mean, maybe. <laughs> Come on. Take it. Right, look, I, I mean, the correlation causation here, but I'm saying I'm going to guess that, like, lifting makes you go bald. So. Well, I, I've got a full head of hair, and I live, so that can't possibly be true. Yeah, you don't. And, and, as, no, Lord, you don't. and, as, and as Lord Varys, a.k.a. Pete Prisco, can tell you, you can never truly have fire and blood, Will, unless you are lifting weights. Pete, appreciate it, buddy. Safe flight. We'll talk to you on Friday while you're out on the West Coast. You got it. Take care, fellas. And be sure to check out Pete Prisco's overrated, underrated list right now, CBSSports.com. That was pretty funny stuff with Pete, especially when he goes, yeah, I am like Lord Varys, except for that one big difference. In Pete's case, probably a small difference, Will. Well, but, man, I thought Game of Thrones this past hey, Sunday Hey, wait, 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 wait. You got to... That's a spoiler siren. No, we don't Did need you... to give a spoiler siren. We're three days past the episode at this point. No, 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 no. Game of Thrones is a different beast, my friend. If you are a Game of Thrones watcher and you're playing catch-up, look, we're about to talk about the episode Stormborn that just aired. So hit that little fast-forward button 15 seconds if you don't want it. Uh, do it a couple times. You'll get a Jason Lockenfora. But I agree. Great episode. Second, second, you're on, unbelievable, storms in, flies in silent, and just drops the hammer on everybody. Do you think that, uh, do you think that Theon is a, um, a, I'm trying to think of the word I can use on this podcast. Coward. Coward. Or do you think that this is a long game, long play to maybe have him come back as a, as a, cowardly hero. Oh, there, there is no question in my mind that Theon Greyjoy, a.k.a. Reek, at some point will deliver comeuppance to somebody. At some point, he is going to have his face turn in the show, his big shining moment before he kicks the bucket. But after all that's happened to him, they've got to give him that moment. So I don't think there's no question that that happens. And by the way, let me paraphrase Jim Carrey here. If it's Wednesday and you're a Game of Thrones fan and you still haven't seen last week's episode, man, you are one pathetic loser. Like, Game <laughs> of Thrones is the one show that you have to make sure that you watch live because everyone's talking about it on Monday morning. So we're not doing the spoiler alarm from now on. I think that's no, you gotta, expectation. No, 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 no. You got it before you drop, like, hey, Euron comes back and kills the, the snake girls. Sand you have snakes. to at least, like, alert people. And I think, too, what's interesting is that the fact that Euron stormed in and destroyed another one of Danny's fleets yes. means that now she's probably going to turn on Tyrion. No doubt. And be like, She's going to listen to Lady Helena and say, like, yeah, I am a dragon. And she's going to storm into King's Landing and melt stuff when in reality she should be listening to Tyrion when it comes to approaching Cersei because nobody knows how to murder his own family better than Tyrion Lannister. I mean, yeah, the guy's committed patricide, so I would imagine that he's probably pretty good on at On Father's it. Day, on real-life Father's Day. And that does it for our Game of Thrones portion of the Pick 6 podcast. From Pete Prisco, we now move to Jason Lockhanfora, JLC. Update the audience on what training camps you'll be visiting here over the next five days. Uh, yeah, I will head to uh, Redskins camp in Richmond tonight. This being Wednesday as we speak, I'll be with the Skins Thursday. I'll be with the Ravens Friday. I'll be with the Steelers Saturday and Sunday. And then uh, I head a little more Midwest after that. And I believe I've got the Browns, Colts, Lions, and Titans through the middle of next week. And then I'll come home and catch my breath for a day. 
Well, Jason, as everyone knows, we will we'll be back on Friday, and then of course Monday because we're doing this podcast three days a week. Does people everybody know that? I don't know if they know that yet, Will, but we're gonna drill it in people's heads. Damn it! Three days per week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I was trying to sneak That's in another off? plug, another plug for the <laughs> iTunes to subscribe, but you just really don't want to do it. Uh, all right, back but to the Redskins, Jason. I want to know does does this Kirk Cousins contract? Do you think it's going to affect the locker room, affect the chemistry, affect any any of those issues, affect Cousins' mentality um, as they start training camp? You know, I've thought about this a little bit the last couple of days, and, and I've been on the radio in Washington a time or two, and, and that question had been asked. And the more I think about it, I really don't think it, it will. Um, you know, he's not going to make a federal case out of it. He's not going to... Um, engage in conversation about it, he being Cousins. He's not going to be running around looking for sympathy. He's going to be making $44 million over you know last season and this. Uh, he's not going to wear it like a cape, and he's better than himself and won before. And again, once you've pocketed $44 million over two years, it's not like you can run around and say you've never made any money in this league. So, no, I think Cousins will take the high road. He's supposed to speak around lunchtime on Thursday. I'll be there. For that uh, press availability, I'll probably chat with him for a little while after that. I don't expect Kirk to say anything um, explosive, or I don't expect him to perpetuate things. He'll he'll basically say that, you know, hey, I, I, if the right contract would have been there, I would have signed long-term, and we'll entertain it in January, and let's go play football. They've had so much turmoil and, tum- t- turmoil and tumult in their locker room Great in the work. past. And a lot of it's been, been propagated by the quarterback position, especially RG3. But but that's kind of died down now. And I kind of think in a weird way, it's almost like us against them. Like those, Because remember, Dan Snyder doesn't spend like he used to. So I think there's a lot of guys in that locker room saying, well, wait a minute. They didn't even go out you know, on a limb for the quarterback. Like, let, let's all go and show them that we're better than they even seem to think we are because they're hedging their bets with a lot of us. You know, other than Trent Williams right now, there's there's not a whole lot of guys on that roster who could say I'm among the best of breed at pay, you know, at, at the pay my pay grade at my position. A lot of us, a lot of stuff for us to hit on here as it concerns the Redskins. We'll talk more about Kirk Cousins with JLC once JLC is at Redskins camp coming up on Friday and next week here on the Pick Six podcast. But let's stay on that offense, Jason, and the running back situation specifically because Rob Kelly, Fat Rob, looked pretty good last year, um, but then they yeah. draft Samaje P. Ryan out of Oklahoma here, two very talented running backs. How do you see this sort of shaking out as training camp set to begin? Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those legitimate position battles. I, I would give Rob Kelly the nod a little bit now, just familiarity and having done it a little bit in the league, and I, I think he'll be plenty motivated. Um, but they have options, and, and look, there's a lot of new weapons there. There's a lot of people who have to get on the same page. You know, a Josh Doxson, how does he click with the Cousins, and, you know, can – can he stay healthy? Does Crowder stay on the trajectory that he's on? What other elements can they introduce into the passing game? I think they'll be running the ball quite a bit, you know, and you've got um, you've got the big lineman from Iowa. You've got Trent Williams. They, they've really rebuilt in the trenches, and, and I think they have the ability to road get great people at times. So I wouldn't sleep on their ability to run the football and, and to have multiple people involved in the run game that's going to be a real point of emphasis for them this year no doubt about it you know they want to get back to where they were three four years ago with Alfred Morris where you know they could ground you when they had to so you know look if we're talking fantasy here which guy would I draft first or whatever I guess it would be Rob Kelly but let's the preseason games will 
I think solves some of that mystery and some of that riddle. The most productive guy is going to have an opportunity to be the hot hand. Interestingly enough, uh, P Ryan, Samaje P Ryan's going ahead of Rob Kelly in fantasy drafts. So I think, I think you're probably onto something, JLC. You sit there and wait. Um, in terms of a guy who's going really early, Terrell Pryor's draft stock in fantasy uh, leagues is through the roof. And I kind of understand it from the perspective of this guy transitioned to, to wide receiver from quarterback. And in his first full year with the Browns, he puts up over 1,000 yards, 77 catches on 140 targets. And now he's going to a team that is not the Browns and the Redskins. He's on a one-year deal, needs to make some money. Can he be a legit number one in this Redskins offense and replace the production of Garcon and, and Deshaun, Deshaun Jackson? By the way, left. you like the way he pronounced that. He go Garcon. He really, really went overboard there with the, yeah, the pronunciation. Garcon. Well, that's, yeah. what you, that's how you say Garcon in loafers. <laughs> yes, Garcon, please go. bring me this drink. Yeah, you know, I, I, there's a lot of hype around Terrell Pryor. He's, he's a physical specimen, and, you know, the Redskins media got a gander at him for the first time, and, and a lot of guys were like, man, he's a beast. And, and, and physically, again, he, he is. And, and you're right, he developed under Hugh Jackson last year, who's done a great job developing wide receivers over the years. And the Redskins are inheriting um, a little more of a polished gem than some of the rough edges that the Browns had to sort of sort through the last couple of years as he was transitioning from quarterback. A true number one, I mean, it's possible. I still feel like the number one in that passing game is the tight end, is Jordan Reed. And whenever he's available, that's the go-to guy for Cousins. Now, he's not going to be catching a whole lot of balls 40, 50 yards downfield, but he moves the chains. He gets a ton of targets. Uh, and and he's a, a legitimate big-time red zone threat, and I don't think that will change. But having another receiver with that kind of size, um, you're right to kind of fill that Garcon role. Um, I, I do think he'll be productive. I, I I mean, I don't know how to project him or what exactly, I, I you know, I think the numbers will be. Do you think but he can match he's going to have every opportunity to flourish. You know, he's going to have every opportunity to flourish. And you look at Jay Gruden, right, and – and he came from Cincinnati and, and where Hugh Jackson was. And I'm sure they look at him as something of a plug-and-play element. Garcon gone, Deshaun Jackson gone. You've got Docs in there, Jamison Crowder returning, Terrell Pryor. You've got Ryan Grant in the mix here running ahead of Josh Doxson. So a lot to shake out as it concerns that Redskins receiving core. We'll touch base more on that as training camp moves along. But Jason... I remember on draft night being super excited for Redskins fans when Jonathan Allen somehow fell into their laps there in the middle of round number one. This kid was such a stud at Alabama. He falls a little bit because of the shoulder concerns here. Are you expecting him? Is the coaching staff expecting Jonathan Allen to make a big-time impact coming right out of the gate? Uh, I mean, do I think he's going to be uh... – you know, among the league leaders in sacks or anything like that. No, I think he'll further stabilize that D-line. And, and what they have now, especially, you know, you factor in Ryan Anderson, who they also took from Alabama, they feel like they've got more capable bodies and a deeper rotation and more interchangeable parts. And, and I would tend to agree with them. The D-line's been, a, a, you know, a, a sort of a, a problem for them or an area of concern for quite some time. And, they, you know, I was not surprised that they – kind of went all in and trying to buttress their front seven. Uh, I mean, again, you have some concerns about the shoulder. They clearly didn't to the degree some other teams did, and beauty is in the eye of the beholder when it comes to your medical staffs with, with situations like this. If they were picking higher, he still in all likelihood 
would have been the pick. Um, but yeah, I, I think impact player, I, you know, I, I don't know. I think to them, he will be, yeah. League-wide, is he going to be a guy who people are talking about every week as, you know, one of the sexy rookies or a guy who's gaining a lot of national attention? I'm, I'm not so sure that that's in the cards right away, but he'll be a very productive player, I believe, if he stays healthy for quite some time. And, again, they have some guys they can play around with now and, and do a few different things up front. On the Ravens side of things, Jason, they also invested heavily on, uh, on, in the defense on draft night. First three picks in the draft, Marlon Humphrey in the first round, Tyus Bowser in the second round, and Chris Warmley in the third round. Do you think those three rookies will eventually see substantial snaps in this Ravens defense, or is there enough uh, talent and depth ahead of them to kind of keep them as rotational guys? Um, I think that's all. That's that's you know TBD. Uh, I you know the sense I got coming out of minicamp is they weren't necessarily jumping on tables and screaming about how awesome these guys were and how they were going to come in you know and start supplanting people right away. Um, even with some of the injuries they've sustained and, and losing uh, Tavon Young, their, their very bright second-year um, slot corner. I don't know. Humphreys, I don't project him as a starter right off the bat. and I don't even know that he's their top slot guy because they may take with Darius Webb, who switched to safety last year. And now that they have Jefferson and Weddle back there, I think you'll see in a lot of their sub packages, Webb being the first guy up in the slot. And obviously they've got Carr, uh, and Jimmy Smith on the outside. So I think Humphrey will be able to be bled in slowly, but Smith gets hurt quite a bit. And even with all the money they've invested in free agency in their secondary, that was still a primary area of concern for them. Um, you know, Bowser, Wormsley, I, I think they'll be in that rotation. Again, that's a team that has a tradition going back to Rex Ryan of being incredibly deep and running numbers and monitoring guys reps up front. And that'll give them, the ability to do that. The one rookie in their class who I think makes the immediate impact, not as an every down player, but on third down is Timmy Williams, who they really need to be a guy who can get them eight to 12 sacks, you know, playing situationally in, in obvious pass rushing situations. Uh, Suggs is not getting any younger. Doomerville's gone. Uh, Matt Judon came on last year, and I think he has some opportunities uh, to shine as a pass rusher himself, but uh, Timmy Williams is the one kid who they feel like they may have really found extreme value in, in if they can simplify his role and keep him on the straight and narrow off the field. JLC, Kenneth Dixon out for the season, obviously a blow on that offense, even with his suspension for the first four games here. When you break down the Ravens running game, is it as easy as saying Terrence West, the primary ball carrier and Danny Woodhead, the pass catching option out of the backfield. How do you think that's going to end up materializing? Yeah. And I think that would have been the case even without Dave uh, Dixon getting hurt again because it was going to be Terrence West on first and second down the first month of the season. They're going to run the ball. I mean, their biggest problem isn't that they can't run the ball. It's that there's no volume in their attack. They, they've thrown the ball the most in the NFL the past two years, and Marty Morningweg has a lot to do with that. They brought in Greg Roman to basically babysit him and make sure that there's a lot of run plays installed and that they're actually calling them on Sunday afternoons. Um, Woodhead is the third down guy. If he can stay healthy, big if, then I like their chances of winning some of those battles. You know, Buck Allen's a bigger guy, short yardage guy. I don't know how much action he sees, even with the Dixon injury. Um, you know, they bring in Bobby Rainey. That's sort of a, a 
you know, a camp body kind of thing. If anybody else goes down, he can play. But Terrence West is a great opportunity here. He's in the best shape of his life. I heard nothing but glowing things about him through the spring and mini camp. And, uh, you know, this was a third-round pick, and this is a kid who has some ability. He's been in Baltimore. It's his hometown. He's been back here for a few years. He's kept himself clean. And he's never really gotten NFL money, and this is an opportunity for him. So I think he'll make the most of it. They need to figure out center and right tackle to stabilize the offensive line a little more. But I think they're going to run the ball. You know, I'm not, are they going to be a top five rushing team? No, but I, I think they'll be effective enough, productive enough, and West will be a big part of that. Dixon compromises their depth. But, again, I, I think he was facing a bit of an uphill battle anyway to get back in everybody's good graces and to supplant Terrence West. What a friggin' pro you are, Jason. I mean, I'm I'm looking at Twitter, right? And we're doing this podcast. In the, I mean, the Ravens announced they signed Bobby Rainey in the middle of the podcast. And you slid it right in there. Uh, just, you know, I want to note that, that was uh, very smooth and, and, uh, and, and pretty flawless on your part. What I want to ask you, though, Brashad Perryman, is this hype legit or no? I don't buy it. I don't buy it. Um, I, the evaluators I really know and trust, I didn't like what I heard about him coming out of college. I didn't like it when wasn't necessarily in love with the pick when the Ravens took him where they did. Thought they forced the need a little bit there. And then he's obviously behind the eight ball from the missing, you know, the time he's missed with injuries. But he, he's a guy who, yeah, he's always going to flash in the shells and the shorts in April and May because it's he has some great physical gifts and he'll latch onto some deep balls, especially when it's not real football, and he'll run by you on the sidelines and, you know, people will be like, wow, oh, my God, look at that. But that's not necessarily football, and that doesn't mean he's going to make contested catches, and that doesn't mean he's going to do a whole lot over the middle, and that doesn't mean he's going to hold on to the ball even when it's right in his hands uh, because when the games actually matter and that's how you get paid and that's how you win or lose, he, he's, he tends to drop a lot of balls. So I need to see it. He's got to prove it to me. I need to see it start happening on Sundays. And, look, they know it as well. They hedge their bets with the Macklin signing. I still think they could sign another tight end or wide receiver, depending on how the early part of the preseason goes. You've got Gary Barnage out there at tight end. You've got Anquan Bolden still out there, at least for now, at wide receiver, although the Bills may just go ahead and try to get that done with him sooner rather than later before they go to camp. But you know, there'll be guys who are cut around the league who they'll, you know, they'll be willing to take a look at. So, no, I'm still a Perriman skeptic, and this has to be. I mean, he's the, one of the true wild cards on that team. If he's who they drafted him to be, then that offense all of a sudden could start looking at least, you know, average, something better than a, a failure, which is really what they've been the last couple of years. And with the defensive improvements, now you start talking about swaying the balance between maybe being back in the playoffs. But if he's just a guy who makes one or two splash plays a month but isn't consistent, you know, drops a lot of balls, doesn't always run the right routes, doesn't earn the confidence of his quarterback, then I think you're looking at a very pedestrian offense because, you know, Ben Watson's not going to run away from anybody. We just, you know, talked about the running back situation and how, there's some guys there, but nobody who you truly have to fear. And, you know, they lost Pitta, um, and Mike Wallace isn't getting any younger. I mean, if, if Perryman isn't a young difference maker for them, then I think they're in trouble.
Jay, final question for you, buddy, before you head out on the road here, because I think people listening, as you sort of rattled off all the places you're going to be at, think that this is all very glamorous and very cool. And look, it is very cool. You're going to be at all these NFL training camps, hanging out with personnel guys and players and coaches, front office types, etc. But this is going to be a grind for you travel-wise here. Sort of break that down here, the human element behind all the cool stuff that you're going to be doing work-wise here, because this is going to be a grind for you, my friend. I've done it myself a couple times here. I am not envious of what you're about to, to transpire with in terms of the travel. Yeah, I mean, look, I, don't cry for me, Argentina. I'm fine. I mean, like, it's, I, don't, I, don't, <laughs> I, I, I shudder to complain about my job. I get paid to, to write about football. But, yeah, I mean, look, it's a lot of holiday ins and whatever. You know what I mean? Some of these teams are in the middle of nowhere. But you're there for a night or two. It really doesn't matter. And you're so tired at the end of the day. You're, you're just sleeping anyway. But, yeah, I'll pick up a rental car today and put a ton of miles on that before I drop it off in uh, – I don't know, Detroit or Tennessee or wherever, wherever I, uh, wherever I leave it to fly home. Uh, it is, it's a lot, it, it's just, it's, it's more than anything else. It's just a, a lot of minutia and trying to figure out, um, especially with this new CBA where teams, you know, are pretty much off every five or six days. Then once they pl- start playing games, they're off the day and before the game and just trying to get to a city every day where something's actually happening, where somebody's on the field actually practicing and it's more than a walkthrough. That part of it is a little tricky, and I've, I'm just—I've actually screwed up my travel again. So um, I'm actually working right now to try to fix one of the mistakes I made because I'm found myself in a city where there is nothing going on. So yeah, it's just a lot of that—a um, lot of just sort of mental hoops to jump through, trying to coordinate with these teams. A lot of them didn't send out their preseason, their, their training camp schedules until just within the last seven to ten days. So that makes it a little tougher too when you don't have as much time to plan. But, no, it, it, it's fun. You get to connect with a lot of people you haven't seen in a while. Go out there and have a couple pops, Jason? Yeah, going to get to see some of these people? Going to have a couple pops at night with some of these people, perhaps? Watch, no, an, yeah, Orioles game. That's, that's, watch an Orioles game in the bar, maybe? Or or out in Seattle while I'm out there in person. Yeah, that's, that's a possibility. <laughs> uh, or <laughs> two. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that's the, the the best part is just seeing people and reconnecting with people you haven't seen for a while and just showing that you made the effort, you know what I mean, to get there and and check in with them. And yeah, that's really what it's about more. I mean, trust me, I have to come up with a lot of content because thankfully we still do content and we still we still pay people to write on the Internet, which is amazing. Um, and I love that part of it as well. But yeah, a lot of it is just kind of reconnecting with people and continuing to build relationships and establish relationships and, you know, all that good stuff. Jay, two things as we get you out of here. Number one, safe travels, and we'll talk to you on Friday. Number two, Orioles suck. Go Yankees. Really appreciate it, Jason. We'll talk I to hope you in a the Orioles days. sell. Uh, sell, sell, sell. And we will see, see if that guys. does indeed happen. Thanks see a man. lot, Jason. Um, will, since I've done such a pathetic job throughout this podcast promoting us and telling people what they can do to help get the awareness out there, why don't you uh, take care of it for us yet again? Hey, subscribe via iTunes. We're going to do it three days a week. The Pick 6 Podcast. Uh, you can find it on our Twitter handles, at Will Brinson, at The Costos, at Prisco CBS, at Jason Lockenfora. Uh, maybe we'll fire up a Twitter handle for the podcast itself so we can do a little promotion. If you subscribe and you like the show, please rate and review it because that goes a long way towards our bosses saying, wow, you don't suck. You can keep doing this. So if you keep doing that, we really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Blue Apron for sponsoring. For Pete, Jason, Nick, and myself, we'll see you guys later. 